welcome to On Trial, starring Mark Radlich, also starring Sean Comer. Hope you're ready, Hollywood, because you're On Trial. All rise. Court is now in session. The Honorable Harry T. Stone providing, presiding. This is On Trial, a Rattledge and Broadcasting Network podcast brought to you by W2M. Tonight, I'm your defense attorney. <laughs> we're going to try to get, we're going to try to make sure this one doesn't get executed as best I can offer. Um, <laughs> just shot in the street somewhere. Uh, on the docket tonight is Resident Evil, the final chapter. Uh, and we're doing that because Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City comes out uh, in a couple of days. Prosecuting this turkey is Sean Coma. You're not. How do you do, Sean? Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that brief spell of not having to look at me for a while. <laughs> All right. So we uh, we settled on this a while back. There are like 800 Resident Evil movies we could have done. We've I know we've done the first one. And then that's it. We did, we never really went back to it. Um, and when I saw they were rebooting Resident Evil, I, I can't remember how we landed here. But um, why, other than my suggesting it, I guess, why did you want to talk about the final chapter and not one of the other ones in the series? Because it was one of the only ones that I hadn't seen yet. Okay. Because I had no idea how, the, how this bug fuck Nanners franchise actually ended. <laughs> so... I have one question, and then we can get into notes. Sup, fool? And and this kind of goes to my defense, but I want to mm. know if if this if this is the only movie guilty of this, or did this start earlier? When did the series give up on plot? Like, at what oh, point God. did they, did they decide that this was going to be a strung together Gonzo series of action scenes with minimal dialogue? At, at what point did they just give up entirely? How much of the series have you seen? I've seen the first movie and I've seen this one. Okay. So. And others may differ here. I would say the point where to me they really mm -hmm. became truly unwatchable was after the third movie. Okay. And, and you'll forgive me if I just have to say just after the third movie, because sure. these these movies run the gamut of so many of the generic fucking one word edgelord sequel titles mm -hmm. that I can't keep them all straight. I, I, I can't I can't do it. And I'll be damned if I can be arsed to fucking try <laughs> when, when when this series mostly consists of. One movie I was surprised at how much I liked, despite the fact I really shouldn't have. A first sequel that was in many ways worse, but in others an improvement. Mm -hmm. And a third that was actually decently fun. And then just everything was just a septic tank rolling downhill <laughs> after that. I I mean, they kept making them, so they must have made money. And Oh, they yeah. made bank. Yeah. Oh my god, I was just looking at the budget on this one. $40 million budget and $312 million. I all right, I give up. Like you people win. You the Ghostbusters fans, fans of this franchise. I I give up. You win. I this is what people like. They they don't they don't want movies, they want 
you know, it's funny. This 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 movie series is based on a video game, and what do you do with a video game? You play it, right? You know, mm -hmm. th th there's not a whole mm -hmm. lot of passive drama that happens in a video game. You're playing, uh, you're playing yeah, a hero that does something. You're you're, you're doing wrong, something, yeah. yeah. And that's what these movies are. It's like a collection of scenes where people are doing stuff. And I guess that's what people want. You know, they want to see the heroes do things, and they don't really want more from their movies than that. So, God bless them. You know, mm -hmm. I guess it's what makes the world go round. So, tell me about this movie, such as it is. What's uh, what do we got in the notes department? Not much, because to be honest, I just wanted to focus on the movie itself, and I, I couldn't come up with anything that was really terribly interesting to talk about. All right, in I'm notes. Gonna, I'm gonna try then to read this plot. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> I might, I might have, I might have my son do it. <laughs> I, I, and and as weird as it sounds to say this, for as mm -hmm. little sense as this movie already makes, it makes even less if you haven't seen anything leading up to it. It well, is not a good standalone. No, I mean it's it seems to be highly dependent on the one that came before it. That's that's that was the other thing I wanted to ask you, and I don't know how much of the game series you played, but did mm -hmm. do they draw do they continue to draw from the games through all six movies, six or seven movies, however many there were, or do they sort of just abandon the game outright and just do their own thing? But fucking Christ no, they don't draw from the games. Okay. They just went in their own direction. <laughs> Look, I mean the as far as references you actually get to the games, mm -hmm. um, kind of almost from the beginning, you get just kind of a touch-and-go smattering here and there. The first mm -hmm. movie was good because it at least kind of felt like a movie taking place in the Resident Evil universe. Sure. Um, you get characters who are you know to varying degrees of success mm -hmm. um who are who, who are introduced throughout this plot but rarely do they actually feel like the characters that you know they're supposed to be portraying mm -hmm. um they they, they just it, it's it, it's cosplay it's cosplay with an absolute fuck you budget um, whenever they introduce a character, with the exception of Wesker. Wesker is about the only one who is even somewhat of an approximation of his cheesy-ass, over-the-top self uh, from the games. Well, that, that's not fair. The, the first appearance of Jill Valentine... Um, Kind of really nailed her. Props to Sienna Guillory for Guillory for that in the second movie. Um, we got um, we got we, we got Oded Fair as mm -hmm. a as a as a pretty great Carlos Oliveira. But um, I mean, the very first movie, you don't have a single character from the game. Okay, you have a monster from the game the liquor mm -hmm. um but as far as and of course you know the zombie okay and the dogs and i will throw the dogs in there yeah um the first movie the zombies the liquor and the dogs I and I the, the story where the dog scared the crap out of me the first time i saw him in the game mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, wait wait no you didn't 
Oh, yeah, we were playing it at a friend's house when I was in high school. Oh. I, I believe it was, if I've got my dates right. And, you know, and the dog's appearance in the game is they they burst into the hallway. And, like, you know, if I remember correctly, if I'm remembering the game correctly, they, you know, you're walking, you're walking, you're walking. It's like a first-person shooter, basically. Mm. And the well, dogs just pop into the hallway, you know, and, gla and glass goes everywhere. And I remember the first time I saw it, it caught me by so surprised. I was like, ah! <laughs> like... Scared the crap out of me. Well, and to kind of tease something that I'll get to when I'm making mm -hmm. my case, uh, one of the things that made the first three Resident Evil games truly scary that way mm -hmm. is the fact that you've got the the combination of the static camera angle mm -hmm. with a ton of attention also paid to atmosphere. Mm-hmm. They didn't really go full on slam bang balls out action movie nuts <laughs> until the fourth until the fourth game when it shifted from uh, the tank controls mm -hmm. and uh, and the the locked camera angle to being an over the an over the shoulder third person shooter. Okay, um, which. You know, again, and, and no fault there. That's a just speaking as a gamer. That's that's a much that's a style that lends itself well to an action game. Um, but yeah, you had a few moments in the first movie where they where they really actually did. I'll give them credit, a pretty decent job okay. of of some tense atmospheric scares that that actually felt for just fleeting beautiful moments. Like Paul W. S. Anderson actually remembered what the fuck the <laughs> game that he so professed to love was like, and, right. and then we got, and then we got Mila Jovovich going full Anthony Pettis on <laughs> the zombie Doberman, and it was just all, all of it, just the whole series downhill from there. Doctor James Marcus, the founder of the Umbrella Corporation, had a daughter. Named her Alicia, and they lived happily ever after. However, that wasn't the case. She was dying of progeria. Desperate to save her, Marcus uses the T-virus on her and others with the disease. After another child treated with the virus died and then reanimated as a rabid zombie like you do, Marcus tried to have the program shut down. His partner, Dr. Alexander Isaacs, had Marcus killed by Albert Wesker, then adopted Alicia and took over the corporation, like you do in America. After the events in Washington, D.C., Alice awakens after being betrayed by Wesker. The Red Queen appears and tells Alice she has 48 hours to infiltrate the hive over 400 miles away on I-64 in Raccoon City. Dun, dun, dun. The Umbrella Corporation has developed an airborne antivirus which can kill every organism infected by the T-virus, but is waiting for the last few remaining humans to be wiped out. En route to Raccoon City, Alice is captured by Isaacs, learning the Isaacs she previously killed was a clone. Uh, she escapes uh, his convoy and reaches Raccoon City, where she is ambushed by a group of survivors. Doc, Abigail, Christian, Cobalt Razor, Claire Redfield, and a partridge in a pear tree who all survived the attack on Arcadia. Isaacs' convoy approaches, trailed by a horde of zombies. Alice and the group defeat the convoy, retrieve Isaac's few human captives, and burn the horde. Though Cobalt is killed, Alice and crew enter the hive. At the bottom of the crater uh, from the nuclear bomb previously dropped on the city, Wesker, in control of the hive, releases mutated guard dogs, and them dogs again, 
killed Christian, killing Christian and a freed captive. The Red Queen appears to Alice like she does and explains that her program is in conflict as she can never hurt an Umbrella employee, but also must value human life. Uh, Sir Isaac Asimov, here you are again. She plays a video of Isaac's explaining to Umbrella's executives a plan to release the T-virus, cleansing the world of humanity. Many of the rich and powerful, including the company executives, are stored in cryogenic capsules in the hive with the intention of rebuilding the world following the resulting apocalypse. Apparently, they spent they also spend too much time on Twitter. Anyway, the Red Queen warns Alice that someone in her group is helping Umbrella. The group encounters several traps, uh, killing Abigail and Razor. Alice and Doc plant bombs throughout the hive from the leftover equipment of the original team to investigate the hive. Alice confronts the real upgraded tech upgraded Isaacs. Doc is revealed to be uh, the Umbrella spy, and Claire is captured by Westgard. A cryogenic capsule opens, releasing Alicia Marcus, Umbrella's co-owner and Marcus's daughter. Isaac reveals to Alice that she's actually a clone of Alicia, but before going on to explain his plan to eliminate the pair and assume control of Umbrella, Alicia fires Wesker. All right. Allowing the Red Queen to crush his legs with a security door. Doc tries to shoot Alice, but his gun is empty as Alice had earlier deduced his treachery and Claire executes him. After giving Wesker a dead man switch to the prime bombs, Alice and Claire pursue Isaacs while Alicia uploads a copy of her childhood memories. Isaacs, Alice, and Claire fight. Fight, 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 fight. Isaacs overpowers Claire and attacks Alice in the laser corridor, eventually defeating her, but she uses that moment to activate a grenade in his pocket. She escapes to the surface with the antivirus, but Isaacs reboots and catches her before she can release it. Before he can kill her, the Isaacs clone from the convoy arrives and kills him, believing itself to be the original Isaacs. <laughs> Not me, you idiot, him. But the clone is then devoured by the undead. Alice, uh, uh, Alice releases the antivirus, killing all of the undead around her before she passes out. Wesker simultaneously drops the dead man switch, destroying himself. Alicia, the hive, and the hibernating umbrella elite. Claire wakes Alice, who survived because the antivirus killed only the T-virus. <sighs> Magic blood, everybody, within her, within her body, not the healthy cells. The Red Queen uploads Alicia's uh, childhood memories into Alice, granting her a childhood. Alice travels into Manhattan saying that the antivirus carried only by the winds will take years to reach all corners of the globe. And until it does, her mission is not finished. She then went on to TikTok to shame people who would not accept. Never mind. All right. Um, I got to go off camera for a sec, but go ahead and start your prosecution. All right. So uh, you've all seen, uh, most of you have seen the, Simpsons bit where Homer gets one piece of news. That's good. Homer gets another piece of news. That's bad. That That is this movie in a nutshell. That is this movie absolutely in a nutshell. Um, give you a few examples. Um, the shots of a destroyed Washington, D.C. look fantastic. That's good. We don't get to see any semblance of how Washington, D.C. was destroyed between the end of the seventh movie, where it was overrun by zombies, and the start of the eighth. Instead, we just kind of get one big exposition drop. That's bad. The cinematography, a good seven movies into the series, has somehow inexplicably suddenly become really fantastic. 
that's good. The editing is on par with present-day ADD-addled WWE with about 100 camera shots per sequence, leaving it impossible to tell what the bumbling fuck is going on. That's bad. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, right at the start of the movie, instead of just Alice delivering a flashback of everything that has happened in the previous movies, we instead get a little brief history of the T-virus. That's good in a you're-trying-something-different kind of way. Unfortunately, a good quarter, at least, of the rest of the movie is spent seemingly retconning or just getting wrong shit that happened in every movie before it. That's bad. <laughs> we get a tease of getting to go back to the Hive, which was an awesome set piece for the first movie and gives rise to all kinds of hopes and dreams of some sweet full circle moments where you get to reminisce on really cool stuff from the first movie. That's good. The laser room sequence is about all we get that actually pays any of that off. That's fucking bad. Just... With this movie, every time there's one step forward, it seems to take another step back and then shit its pants while falling backwards to the ground. Just it's uh, it's it's not the way to go out. I, and don't get me wrong, I've long since I long since by this point given up any hope of another Resident Evil game or Resident Evil movie rather that lives up to any of the games or even pretends to pay homage to any of them. However, the only game this one really kind of comes even close to getting right is, is the absolute insane nonsensical parade of bullshit that was Resident Evil 6. Um... And that's just because, yeah, I'll, I'll give it credit where it's due. The action sequences uh, are, abso are absolutely wonderful. Yeah, the, yeah, they're, they're fucking crazy. Yeah, sometimes they're, they're hilarious while being awesome, but they're at least entertaining. If only they had had a competent editor who knew how to actually make the shit look good. It all reminded me of the story that I heard about how George Miller asked his wife to edit uh, Mad Max Fury Road. And she kind of protested say, saying, but I've, I've never done an action movie. I wouldn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And he kind of said, and I'll paraphrase slightly, that's the point. If I get anyone else to do it, it's going to just look like an, look like another action movie mm. it's just going to look like something that another that another man cut together and god almighty <laughs> would that would this movie have benefited from that kind of bold choice to actually make the make these 
you know, these intricate, absolutely explosive sequence kind of makes sense. Um, I, to be honest, I'm a little torn in chiding the plot because in all honesty, I'm hard pressed to say it, to say it makes any less sense than any of the games from about say Resident Evil 4 onward. Uh, yeah, I mean, then again, these have never been exact, have been never been exactly story driven. So, I mean, no reason to believe it would change in the seventh one. Uh, I think what I was really hoping for would be that maybe they would get back to something like Resident Evil 2 and 3, where at least the action was true action was truly fun and sometimes it is but the problem is oof if if you're prone to motion to motion sickness just stay the just stay the fuck away or or if you find yourself absolutely weeping at the production value of Monday Night Raw and Smackdown um no not for you avoid 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 uh once more, as per usual throughout the series, uh, Mila Jovovich, uh, Alice, barely counts as a character. So so much as just a pretty person that things happen to, and that often also happens to other things. Uh, the the whole the whole clone storyline came came absolutely out of nowhere because there there is nothing that sets this shit up throughout the course of any of the previous movies. Uh, the whole, the whole Mark, I think it was, yeah, it was Marcus intended to end the world all along. Cause he figured it's going to end anyway. Why don't we end it ourselves so we can at least control the rebuilding. Um, that's great, except for the fact that in the first movie you set this entire thing up as being the act of one rogue umbrella employee. So in that case, if that was what happened in the first place, then wouldn't your approach when this when this one employee one employee went off and just dumped the T virus bomb in the hive shouldn't have just been Oh, um, okay then. We're just moving things up a little ways. Because, I mean, supposedly, according to this movie, this was what you had planned all along anyhow. So why not just run with it? Just go with it. Um, just, uh, no sense. No sense, no sense, no sense. None of it makes any fucking sense. This this series should have just ended after the third movie, and I actually would have been fine with it. Because while it wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination, any by, even by zombie movie standards, the ending at least kind of, sort of, made sense. And again, it just didn't devolve into into this entirely impossible to follow bumfuckery. 
that would follow for the next four sequels. So, I mean, that that's uh, that's about it for now, except for the fact that I would just also throw in, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation if you would have maybe just continued with a similar approach and a similar tone to the first and second movies. Because the first movie at least kind of felt like somebody's crazy fan ficky testosterone fueled uh take on the first game if they were remaking it and the second one at least kind of sorta felt like a mashup of Resident Evil 2 and 3 so but instead just this is Resident Evil in name only so that prosecution was brought to you by Grammarly. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To so download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. This is an important movie and i'll tell you why um the movie in and of itself is nothing it's it's just one of the many videotapes on the shelf at the video store at your local blockbuster mm-hmm. you know in the b act in the b movie actions it, it's it's popcorn fair what's important about it is what it represents and that is and I, it's probably not even a cultural shift so much as it is me just sort of recognizing something that has already been there uh, i've been listening to a podcast over this past weekend. I got caught up on a podcast I hadn't listened to for a while. And the, one of the guys on the podcast started at least a dozen of these with go, with, with different people reviewing the Batman trailer. Mm-hmm. And, and I bring that up because one, how many times can you watch that trailer and have a different take on it? Or the same take, just repeated ad nauseum. Um, but it was emblematic of something that I'm recognizing. And I, and I, as we're recording this today, I've just now seen Ghostbusters Afterlife. And it's a lot of the same phenomena, which is, I think people who are in the movie bubble tend to want to see movies, which you go without saying, but that's, that's, prob- that's kind of the problem here, is I, don't, is I think people, they, they think they want movies, but what they actually mm. want is a, is a reel of action scenes cut together. <laughs> over the space of about 90 minutes um they want they they essentially want long form music videos they want to see cool i'm I'm trying not to curse here but they want to see cool as you've ever seen action sequences set to whatever it is the music that they like that sits that fits the scene presumably they want to see you know hot women hot sweaty women maybe topless maybe not depending on you know your mood at the time but hot sweaty women big strong action heroes doing actiony stuff uh even kick kick ass girls doing actiony stuff and they want it for 90 minutes and if that's what you give them they're going to tell you and this is key to my argument here they're going to tell you that's a good movie they're going to say that's a good movie i enjoyed that movie it is good which is going to be on my tombstone when I died because I had to say that out loud and my heart stopped. 
Um, <laughs> because here's the thing, math fans. I like the movie does not equal it is good. No. They are not the same thing. Nope. But much like belief in religion, people believe it is the same thing. If I like it, it is good. If I dislike it, it is bad. And the people who made it should be shot in the street and buried in nameless graves. That is the culture we currently live in. And so, you know, I think about Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was a 90-minute nostalgia reel uh, dedicated to the fans of the original Ghostbusters. And people who wanted that are going to say, I liked Ghostbusters Afterlife. It was good. Because it did all the things that I liked in the first movie that I saw when I was five. Cool. Mm -hmm. I really have no argument with those people anymore. I please live your life. Got good good luck and God bless. I, I'm just here to say, no, it isn't. And I will talk about that more tomorrow night when we talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife. The Batman trailer. If the Batman movie is is anything like anything I've seen in that trailer, or the guy doing that podcast that says, that movie looks dope as fuck, man. I'm and I turn to my son and my seven-year-old son, and he says to me, That was the most amazing movie I ever saw, and I hope it was <laughs> I will say, yes, my love, and then walk into the woods to live deliberately. Okay, so so some point of clarification. When you're talking yeah. about the Batman trailer, I'm talking I'm assuming you're talking about the trailer for the Batman starring Robert Pattinson. That is correct, sir. All right, so oh, okay. Back to Resident Evil, the final chapter, which is like, when, what, what is he talking about? I'm talking about Resident Evil, the final chapter. I think because, I where he's going. Because if I hit myself over the head and I watch the Batman trailer a dozen times in a row and I go, I want to watch something that reminds me of the Batman trailer. I want to see a cool superhero being dope as fuck, yo. I'm going to put on the Resident Evil final chapter movie. <laughs> Because I'll tell you what, the movie was in focus. The there are a lot, a lot, a lot. Oh, God, so many. <laughs> Do you know what gonzo pornography is? It's yes. just, it's where they take like the interconnecting scenes of things. You know, the pizza guy rolls up to the door and she says, <laughs> hello. And he says, would you like a large sausage pizza? And then they get into the thing, right? Well, mm -hmm. cut all that stuff out and just go mm -hmm. to the thing and just do that three or four times for over mm -hmm. a 90-minute period. And that's a gonzo porn film. This yeah. is a gonzo action movie. And that is what the people want. Don't you understand? They want gonzo. They want a 90-minute music video. There's no plot in a music video. It's just stuff happening. And... That's what this movie is. There's very, there's almost no plot to this thing. None that makes any degree of sense. It's a the this the movie opens with a extended action sequence. We take a breath to go get popcorn and, and soda. There's another action sequence. The movie stops for a second so that you can take a piss. There's another action sequence. The characters explain a little bit of exposition just to let you know you're actually in a movie and not an actual porn. And then, and then there's more action, and then another action scene, and just in case you were getting bored, another action scene, and then the resolution, and then end credits. And it's not my favorite thing, and it's not a well-constructed movie, 
in that movies usually have characters, plots, themes, things like that nature. And this movie is devoid of all of those things. There are people in them, sure. People who showed up to set to be filmed in costumes. Mila Jovovich doesn't really, you know, wear that, that stuff to go get groceries. <laughs> this was professionally shot, I suppose. It was hard to tell at times because this is the one real thing I can complain about this movie, being serious for a moment. I don't think they had a tripod on set. I think it was... <laughs> I think Paul W.S. Anderson like got his nephew to run around with the camera, you know, TMZ style, and that's how they shot this movie. Jesus, I've never... People complain about, like, certain found footage movies, you know, or... Uh, I can't remember the name of the movie now, but the one where it started giving everyone seizures. Yeah, that's what was almost happened to me watching this. Like, I, I have not had a movie give me a headache in a long time, but this one did. Um... Because it's just, it's the camera's just all over the place. But I'm defending this thing. And so my defense of it will just basically be, you know, it's not, as I get told quite often, I'm not looking for Shakespeare. And boy, was this not Shakespeare. I'm not looking for an art house film. Well, this wasn't an art house film. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see Mila Jovovich kick a zombie in the balls. Mila jo Jovovich definitely kicks zombies and shoots them and beats them up for 90 minutes straight. And then her and the guy that played Batman in the Titan show get into a fist fight. At least two <laughs> or three of them. And he's awesome, by the way. I don't. I, I looked up his IMDb, and he's actually been in a, quite a number of different things. He's a fun actor, mm. and but the first time I'd ever seen him was actually in Titan. So seeing him here mm. playing the scenery-chewing villain was great. It was awesome. Um, and, I, and again, if you're in the mood for just stupid nonsense, yeah, this is your kind of movie. If you want something that isn't stupid nonsense, this is not the movie for you. But it is not, Your Honor, guilty of necessarily being a bad movie if all, if all you're going to use to define good or bad is whether or not it is you are entertained by it. That is a very, very subjective and loose and long-tail definition but that is the world we're living in. Loose, subjective, and long-tailed. The defense rests. So in listening to all that, it drives home what I think the most deserved approach to, to this, you know, the, the repartee of on trial, I mm -hmm. think should be. And maybe what it should have been all along. And it's too often, I in particular have tried to make a case for or against movies. Mm -hmm. As if, as though I were speaking for some kind of consensus, as though I were delivering some kind of majority opinion. Mm -hmm. But you just kind of nailed it right there. And that is the fact that it is what it is, and you personally enjoyed it, and you were yep. able to elucidate what you enjoyed. This is more of a liability case than it is right. a crime that happened. Okay, well, okay. I, I'm glad you I'm glad you kind of mentioned you kind of mentioned liability. Um, because that, that kind of sort of tangentially plays into why I feel the way that I do about it. Mm -hmm. And that is that I feel much about this, the way that I feel about Rob Zombie's Halloween, mm -hmm. um, specifically about the first half or so of the movie, half to three fifths of the movie right up to when Michael Myers escapes from the insane asylum. It actually has the makings of a pretty good slasher movie 
Mm-hmm. However, it then devolves into an awful Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Such has been, for the most part, my problem with the entire Resident Evil franchise. For what they are, they're not a bad franchise of movies. The first one is a pre- is a pretty good haunted house slash zombie mo- slash zombie movie in the spirit of Resident Evil. If somebody were to make this, release it by any other title with no refer- with no references to this to anything from Capcom's franchise, I would look at it and say, "Ah, uh, yeah, you're a Resident Evil fan. Okay, I see what you did there, and I would appreciate it." But the thing is, you're talking about. A series of movies, and th- and this is this movie. The final chapter is just an indictment of what has been a problem from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Is you're talking about a about a franchise, a film franchise that is selling itself to fans of an existing property. Mm-hmm. You can't say it doesn't because otherwise, why would you be doing it if you didn't feel there was a built-in audience? At the same time, for the entire franchise, you're you're past a certain point barely paying lip service to the franchise itself or anything that makes the franchise what it is. And the problem that you, and in which I myself am a Resident Evil fan. I love this franchise. It's, I think that I think that's a really salient point. I want to just jump in with one thing. I think where I finally landed to where I can have some peace with the movie watching and the movie making community mm-hmm. is basically don't slap a valued property name on something that isn't that valued property. Yes. Name. Yes. So, and, I'll, and I'll go back to Ghostbusters here. Just, just just to make this point. You call Ghostbusters 2016 anything else but Ghostbusters, you know, yeah, you're still going to have people that don't love it, but it doesn't engender the, mm-hmm. and I don't want to have the 45-minute discussion we had on it the first time. I, I just want to make this one point. Um, okay. you, it, it doesn't engender the hatred that it got. Most people, people will either pay attention to it and see it, or they just won't pay attention to it, and they'll go on with their life. You, as a studio don't come across as peeing in the fan's face, which is yes. which is what engenders the anger. I yes, mean, the, 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 the neckbeard people aside, who are who are not going to like anything with strong female characters or anything else like that, you know, I, I'm not counting that part of the argument. <laughs> I cover up my beard. Um, um, no, uh, like the people who just don't like women, the people who, mm-hmm. you know, everything has to be, batman punching his way through life those people like just take them out of the equation entirely but the rest of like fair-minded people that just get irritated when you take something that they loved and you and you slap a name on it and it's not the thing they love anymore but you're still calling it that and so like with these resident evil movies if you want to make a stupid you know a a super movie where uh, mila jovovich kicks zombies in the face and that's all she does for 90 minutes Go mm-hmm. ahead and make that movie. You'll find an audience for it. There's God, Jesus Christ, there's an audience for everything now. Mm-hmm. But don't call it Resident Evil. Because if you're going to use an established IP name of something that people find valuable, 
I think you do need to respect mm -hmm. to one degree or another the original source material that created those fans in the first place. Mark, and I point this out because Paul W.S. Anderson was also responsible for this one. Why do you think most of us Monster Hunter fans wanted nothing to do with that shit? Mm -hmm. Because we saw this coming. You weren't <laughs> going to get us with this shit again. Right. And to give you some examples to the contrary, some examples of doing it the right way, mm -hmm. at least mostly the right way. I have my issues with the most recent Mortal Kombat movie, mm -hmm. but it at least feels like a Mortal Kombat movie. I think people will forgive you if you if you mess up and not make a great movie but at least you went in attempting to respect the source material. Mm -hmm. Most people will forgive you. Yes. Yes. Because, okay. Another example where it got, where they achieved, they accomplished that somewhat, but they failed in some egregious um, ways. The silent Hill movie, the first one aesthetically nailed silent Hill. Mm -hmm. They knocked the, atmosphere the visuals the sounds so many of the character so many of the character models the settings out of the park they did it so well that several of the otherwise still lackluster sequels in the game franchise that came after actually copped some visual cues and motifs from that movie. Um, they botched the plot and the characters mm -hmm. in many ways. Mm -hmm. But as far as the spectacle, as fellows, as far as what you saw and heard, perfect. When I saw the Uncharted trailer recently, mm -hmm. I, I didn't want to be any more enthusiastic than this because God knows I didn't want to get my hopes up. But I think it was even on either Robert or Andrew's status. Mm -hmm. The the compliment, the sincere compliment I chose to pay it is it at least damn sure looks like an Uncharted movie. Right. It, it, it definitely has the look and feel of Uncharted. So good start points for that one we'll see after it comes out how the rest of it plays out but that's the thing is and to be honest the resident evil game fans had probably a lot of them long since tuned out mm -hmm. by this point because it was made abundantly clear that there was no longer going to be any illusion of reverence to the series because, well, hell, you said you said yourself, you played at least a little bit of the first game in high school. Right. Okay. So you have some idea of what one would expect a classic Resident Evil experience to feel like. Mm -hmm. Some of the first movie has that feel. Okay, in fact, I'll, I'll give it more credit. A lot of the first movie has that has that feel to it. It, it at least kind of has that tempo. It has that. It has that look. I'll even say nonsensical plot. Yeah, you can still say that's kind of in Resident Evil's DNA. But 
it feels like it's at least in the world of Resident Evil. Even if, you know, uh, Chris Redfield and Jill Val and Jill Valentine and Barry Burton aren't popping up around every corner. Okay, yeah. You, on a technicality, you could still call that a Resident Evil movie. Second one, okay, feels a little bit like the sequel. We got a few more characters. Like I said, Sienna Guillory, good, really good Jill Valentine, Oded Fair, you know, pretty good Carlos Oliveira. Uh, we got the Nemesis. We've got zombie apocalypse trashed Raccoon City. Okay, you know, still feels like Resident Evil. Third one didn't feel anything. <laughs> Uh, like res like resident evil whatsoever whatsoever so by this point yeah it's not like fans were going in thinking that we were all of a sudden going to be getting a return to form and it was going to be back to the spencer spencer mansion or it was going to be uh leon kennedy and claire redfield skulking around the raccoon city pd no no, no such thing. But it's still, but again, it still stands as an indictment of everything about the series that betrayed the fans that were hoping I think for, in, a, for that more authentic experience. So I think in summation, what it's guilty of is it's not so much a bad movie. Again, I'm not going to go through all that again in my loose mm -hmm. definition of what a movie is. Mm -hmm. It's guilty of being a Resident Evil movie. It, not, yeah, or rather not being a proper resident evil movie it's you know it's guilty of being a zombie movie that they slap the resident evil name on which is funny because robert and i make that joke all the time they're like somebody mm -hmm. just had this script lying around and you know and the way to make the way to make money in friends and influence in hollywood is take something everyone knows slap it on something uh that's sitting in your desk drawer and say it's that now so how, yeah, how yeah, we've gotten Hellraiser, Child's Play, and <laughs> Die Hard sequels right. all out of that exact same formula, right? And I think that is so. I, I'm at this point. I'm not Hollywood. This is the last thing I'm going to say, and then I'm going to do the Amazon plug, and we'll get out of here. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not mad at Hollywood anymore for for you know making movies for the vast amount of people who just want to passively watch movies. Mm -hmm. Their job is to make movies and sell tickets. Mm -hmm. Fine. I, this is capitalism. God bless America. You know, <laughs> I'm with you, brothers and sisters. Make that money, baby. Um, I think where Hollywood could use some improvement in general is please stop slapping the name of an existing thing on things that it's not intended to be. And I think if, I think if they could improve in that way, I, I don't know what else we're going to fight about on Twitter, but at least we can stop fighting about that. The only the only bone of contention I would make with that mm -hmm. is when you talk about Hollywood in general. Mm -hmm. I would say I would agree when it comes to big theatrical releases. Sure. Because say what you will about Netflix. Mm -hmm. They are batting above 500 when it comes to adaptations. Yeah. Um, The Witcher, mm -hmm. by all by all accounts, superb. I will say most of Castlevania, most of <laughs> Castle of, of Castlevania mm. came out real fucking well. 
Have you um, heard Robert and I talking about season four? Yeah. That was that was less of a review and more of a therapy session. <laughs> um, I have I, I have pretty high pretty high hopes for Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed um, as far as their anime adaptations. Um, a, a little touch and a little touch and go, but Full Metal Alchemist was quite was quite good, and I've heard. I'll say mostly positive reviews of Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's, but that's but a contentious but, one right now. Yeah, but again, I mean, technically Hollywood, but still, mm-hmm. they manage to hit them to hit yeah. the mark. Television is an altogether different discussion. We're talking about big big time in theater features, and. And I and it's just I'm more pointing directly at the practice of that. Don't pull very, very yeah. simply Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Don't pull a script out of the drawer, cross off the name, and go, Ghostbusters, go make it. Resident mm-hmm. Evil, go make it. Mortal Kombat, go make it. Um get people who want to make, you know, th- this is really the last thing I'm gonna say. I'm gonna go right into the plug after this, but Kevin Smith, love him, hate him. You know, whether you liked Revelations, whether you hated it, I know some people who want to burn down Kevin Smith's house because of it. Um, but I think Kevin Smith genuinely tries his best to honor whatever property he's working for. And it doesn't always work for, yep. the, you know, yep. there, there's some, there's, there seems to be some sort of disconnect between Kevin Smith and the fans, um, you know, and, and the fans of the things that he's adapting. Uh, and, and that's a whole other podcast in and of itself. Okay. But my point, my point being, I think Kevin Smith looks at the source material and tries his darndest. He doesn't always hit the ball, but he does go into the project going, I'm in love with this thing. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to make my version of it and share mm-hmm. it with the world because I love the fans. I love the thing. I love mm-hmm. it all. And I want to be a part of this world. And I think when Hollywood greenlights a project, more of the Kevin Smith type and less of yeah. the Brett Ratner type. You know, that's just you're just hiring a guy to do a thing to make it happen. Um, and it's got a script with the name crossed out. Sam Raimi. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I will number one, I remember Ben once saying his saying his big frustration with Kevin Smith mm-hmm. is is particularly when it comes to comics. Mm-hmm. Kevin goes and does some great work on something. Shows mm-hmm. a ton of promise, <laughs> and then he gets distracted, and decides to go do something else, and abandons the awesome work he just did. But it's number two, possible. but number two, the better example, I will see your Kevin Smith, and I will raise you the fact that the first, the first two Spider-Man movies mm-hmm. were so damn good, because it was Sam Raimi. Just being a giddy fanboy sure. with a budget. He was admittedly a died in the wool Spider Man fan. Yep. And damn, if it wasn't evident in every single frame of those first two movies. There are things I don't like about the first Spider Man movie, and we'll talk a little bit about sure. that next month when we do our Long Road to Ruin, all the Spider Man ever. Um, <laughs> uh, but. I can forgive I can forgive those mistakes that I think he made because mm-hmm. I truly think it was a passion project. And speaking oh, yeah. of Spider-Man, there's some great music in those movies. I don't know if you know that or not, but the Spider-Man movies, if nothing else, Sean, have just some spectacular music. 
spectacular, Spider-Man, spectacular music dashboard confessional there you go and, <laughs> and, if you would, and if you don't believe me and you would like to check it out but you don't want to pay for anything i don't blame you so you should click the link in our pod in our description of this podcast for get amazon music.com slash w2m network because we just happen to be giving away a free 30-day trial of the amazon music unlimited service uh Click the link, fill out the description, fill out the uh, information, commit to the 30 days. You can stream all 70 million songs that are currently on Amazon Music Unlimited. You can get into all the Spider-Man soundtracks, the Ghostbusters soundtracks. You can listen to Ray Parker sing Ghostbusters while you run around your house, risky business style, and just your underpants and a button-down shirt. It's fantastic. It's what all Americans should be doing. Um, and if you don't like it, if you're crazy and you're like, ah, this isn't for me, you can cancel it after the 30 days. No fuss, no must, no contracts, no pains in the butt. Go ahead and click that link. It helps us out. It keeps the podcast gears rolling. Get amazonmusic.com slash W2M network. Uh, all right. So that is our court is adjourned. That is our review of sorts. <laughs> Less a review, more an editorial on <laughs> Resident Evil, the final chapter. Um, uh, earlier today, Sean, if you're wondering what Sean and I had to say about the first Resident Evil movie, one of the very first on trials we did, as a matter of fact, mm -hmm. uh, that's currently now in the archive and it's on the front page of W2Mnet.com. Um, last night, my friend Elizabeth Faust, lovely lady, uh, just a, a history of being in the theater profession. She came on to talk some musicals with me. We talked Tick, Tick, Boom with Andrew Garfield. Give him an Oscar. Um <laughs> Everybody's talking about Jamie and Diana the musical. She was a lot of fun. I'm I'm wanting to talk to new people and have different people on here. Uh, in addition to you know the loud and proud Rattledge and Broadcasting family that I've had for the last ten years, so it was great to have her on. And I'm looking to get some more people into the mix and hopefully have her back soon. Um, we also re-aired our Zootopia review because Encanto comes out this week. Tomorrow we've got a Survivor series review. Ghostbusters Afterlife. You get to hear me scream more about that. A re-airing of Hawk of Matt Fraction's first uh, volume of his Hawkeye run, My Life as a Weapon. Uh, that's coinciding with Hawkeye airing on Disney Plus. Um, and in the evening, myself, Robert Winfrey, and Alexis Hanna will be reviewing the new Bruce Campbell Splatstick movie, Black Friday. Um, th over the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, my son and I are actually going to do a triple feature. Me, Jonas's first full movie review that podcast he'll be on. He can't, he can't wait. We're going to review Clifford the Big Red Dog, Home Sweet Home Alone, Aww. and Big Christmas. So there he is. <laughs> now you got to get all the way on camera. Get in frame. Yay. There we go. Thank you. Um, in addition to that, we'll have a re airing of our first turkey we ever reviewed on the Metal Hammer of Doom, Metallica Saint Anger. Um, <laughs> On Friday, we've got a re-airing of Jesse and Robert Cooper talking Celtic Frost, Cold Lake, another turkey. I wasn't on for that one, but they had fun back in the day. You get to hear that all over again. We'll also have re-airings of our Live from the Doom Saloon, Volume 2 and Volume 3. And then in the evening time, Volume 4 is going live. Clutch, Live from the Doom Saloon, Volume 4. Jesse and I are going to watch the concert, and we're going to live stream our reactions. And then on Saturday, and this will be my last plug, I'll throw it over to Sean, uh, Tiafima Lopez, finally, 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 Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, is fighting George Cambosis on DAZN. Thank you, Eddie Hearn. Uh, so for those of you who have DAZN, you can check that out. And Robert Winfrey and I are going to provide alternative commentary. All right, Sean, I don't know what you're doing these days. I know you were taking a break from streaming for a while. When do you return to the land of stuff? 
<laughs> well, I still am. Uh, I want to thank everybody out there for letting me into your lives for a few hours a week. Uh, I was telling Mark before the show, my goal is to do another 25 podcasts over the course of 22. So if you're not sick of me yet, just give me 13 more months. But anyway, thank you as we start to kind of wind down our batteries for a little bit in the much needed break. Uh, in the meantime, you want to hear my rantings on professional wrestling, music, all things DDP yoga, fair warning, occasionally politics. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Comer Codex. Uh, I will not be back to streaming until January. Uh, I have a few things I need to work out, um, mostly in terms of getting myself set to start therapy. That is going really well so far. Um, also, I just moved recently, so we're still kind of getting everything logistically in place. But I'm also switching my stream set stream setups over from Streamlabs. Yeah, thieving dirty bastards. Uh, over to just getting my hands dirty and learning OBS for production's sake. Uh, so I would say look for my return at twitch.tv slash Comer Codex probably sometime in early to mid-January, if everything keeps to plan. All right, folks. Thank you for joining us here on On Trial. For Sean Comer, I'm Mark Rattledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.